With continual development in technology, hackers and cyber criminals are getting better and better at installing viruses and hacking your electronic devices. We've all had antivirus software, but your run-of-the-mill software just isn't good enough anymore. With Surfshark Antivirus, not only will you have antivirus scans and real-time virus protection, but you'll also have access to a VPN. You'll be protected from targeted ads and tracking. You'll be notified if your data gets leaked by data brokers. And most importantly, it's incredibly easy to set up and use. If you feel like your online protection should be better, use the link in the description and episode notes to get 76% off Surfshark Antivirus today and feel safe every day on your devices. We've all gone to websites only to be presented with a pop-up asking if we'll accept the cookies. Well, did you know that by accepting those cookies, you're allowing that website to collect data on you? These websites will then sell your information to data brokers, who will then create a digital profile of you, which can be used by banks, advertisers, and scammers against you. Well, thanks to Incogni, you no longer need to worry about your data being stolen and sold. Incogni is a tool that will remove your data from these companies for you. All you need to do is sign up, allow Incogni to work for you, and they will contact data brokers on your behalf and guarantee that your digital ID is removed from the internet. Use the link in the description and episode notes and get Incogni today for $6.49 per month on a year plan and protect your data and digital ID. Hello, and welcome to the Essential Reads podcast. I'm Isaac, and my goal is to bring to you a bunch of audiobooks from your favourite classic authors such as Orson Welles, Robert Louis Stevenson, John Steinbeck, and many more. Come join me on this journey to help get these books to the masses in an easy, accessible way. Let's start. The house was silent. Montag approached from the rear, creeping through a thick, night-moistened scent of daffodils and roses and wet grass. He touched the screen door in back, found it open, slipped in, moved across the porch, listening. Mrs. Black, are you sleeping there? He thought. This isn't good, but your husband did it to others and never asked and never wondered and never worried. And now, since you're a fireman's wife, it's your house and your turn for all the houses your husband burned and the people he hurt without thinking. The house did not reply. He hid the books in the kitchen, and moved from the house again to the alley, and looked back, and the house was still dark and quiet, sleeping. On his way across town, with the helicopters fluttering like torn bits of paper in the sky, he phoned the alarm as a lonely phone booth outside a store that was closed for the night. Then he stood, in the cold night air, waiting, and at a distance he heard the fire sirens start up and run, and the salamanders coming to burn Mr. Black's house while he was away at work, to make his wife stand, shivering in the morning air, while the roof let go and dropped in upon the fire. But now she was still asleep. Good night, Mrs. Black, he thought. Faber! Another rap. A whisper. A long waiting. Then, after a minute, a small light flickered inside Faber's small house. After another pause, the back door opened. They stood, looking at each other in the half-light, Faber and Montag, 
as if each did not believe in the other's existence. Then Faber moved and put out his hand and grabbed Montag and moved him in and sat him down and went back and stood in the door, listening. The sirens were wailing off in the morning distance. He came in and shut the door. Montag said, I've been a fool all down the line. I can't stay long. I'm on my way, God knows where. At least you were a fool about the right things, said Faber. I thought you were dead. The audio capsule I gave you, burnt. I heard the captain talking to you, and suddenly there was nothing. I almost came out looking for you. The captain's dead. He found the audio capsule. He heard your voice. He was going to trace it. I killed him with the flamethrower. Faber sat down. I did not speak for a time. My God, how did this happen? said Montag. It was only the other night. Everything was fine, and the next thing I know, I'm drowning. How many times can a man go down and still be alive? I I, I can't breathe. There's Beatty dead, and he was my friend once, and there's Millie gone. I thought she was my wife, but... Now, I, I don't know. And all the house burnt. My job, gone, and myself on the run. And I planted a book in a fireman's house on the way. Good Christ, the things I've done in a single week. You did what you had to do. It was coming on for a long time. Yes, I believe that, if there's nothing else I believe. It saved itself up to happen. Could feel it for a long time. I was saving something up. I went around doing one thing and feeling another. God, it was all there. It's a wonder it didn't show on me like fat. And now here I am, messing up your life too. They might follow me here. I feel alive for the first time in years, said Faber. I feel I'm doing what I should have done a lifetime ago. For a little while, I'm not afraid. Maybe it's because I'm doing the right thing at last. Maybe it's because I've done a rash thing and I don't want to look the coward to you. I suppose I'll have to do even more violent things. Exposing myself so I won't fall down on the job and turn scared again. What are your plans? To keep running. You know the war's on. I heard. God, isn't it funny, said the old man. It seems so remote because we have our own troubles. I haven't had time to think. Montag drew out a hundred dollars. I want this to stay with you. Use it in any way that'll help when I'm gone. But I might be dead by noon. Use this. Faber nodded. You'd better head for the river if you can. Follow along it, and if you can, hit the old railroad lines going out into the country. Follow them. Even though practically everything's airborne these days, and most of the tracks are abandoned, the rails are still there, resting. I've heard there are still hobo camps all across the country, here and there. Walking camps, they call them. And if you keep walking far enough, and keep an eye peeled... They said there's a lot of old Harvard degrees on the tracks between here and Los Angeles. 
Most of them are wandered and hunted in the cities. They survive, I guess. There aren't many of them, and I guess the governments never considered them great enough danger to go in and track them down. You might hole up with them for a time and get in touch with me in St. Louis. I'm leaving on the 5 a.m. bus this morning, see a retired printer there, and getting out in the open myself, at last. This money will be put to good use. Thanks, and God bless you. Do you want to sleep a few minutes? I'd better run. Let's check. He took Montag quickly into the bedroom and lifted a picture frame aside, revealing a television screen the size of a postal card. I always wanted something very small, something I could walk to, something I could blot out with the palm of my hand, if necessary, nothing that could shout me down, nothing monstrous big. So you see, he snapped it on. Montag, the TV said, and lit up. M-O-N-T-A-G. The name was spelt out by a voice. Guy Montag. Still running. Police helicopters are up. A new mechanical hound has been brought from another district. Montag and Faber looked at each other. Mechanical hound never fails. Never since its first use in tracking quarry has this incredible invention made a mistake. Tonight... This network is proud to have the opportunity to follow the Hound by camera helicopter as it starts on its way to the target. Faber poured two glasses of whiskey. We'll need these. They drank. Nose so sensitive, the mechanical Hound can remember and identify 10,000 odor indexes on 10,000 men without resetting. Faber trembled the least bit and looked about his house, at the walls, the door, the doorknob, and the chair where Montag now sat. Montag saw the look. They looked quickly about the house, and Montag felt his nostrils dilate, and he knew that he was trying to track himself, and his nose was suddenly good enough to sense the path he had made in the air of the room, and the sweat of his hand hung from the doorknob, invisible, but as numerous as the jewels of a small chandelier. He was everywhere, in and on about everything. He was a luminous cloud, a ghost that made breathing once more impossible. He saw Faber stop up his own breath for fear of drawing that ghost into his own body, perhaps being contaminated with the phantom exhalations and odours of a running man. The mechanical hound is now landing by helicopter at the side of the burning. And there, on the small screen, was the burnt house and the crowd and something with a sheet over it and out of the sky, fluttering, came the helicopter, like a grotesque flower. So they must have their game out, thought Montag. The circus must go on, even with the war beginning within the hour. He watched the scene, fascinated, not wanting to move. It seemed so remote, and no part of him. It was a play, apart and separate, wondrous to watch, not without its strange pleasure. That's all for me, he thought. That's all taking place just for me? By God. He wished he could linger here in comfort and follow the entire hunt through its swift phases, down alleys, across streets, over empty running avenues, crossing lots and playgrounds, with pauses here or there for the necessary commercials, up other alleys to the burning house of Mr. and Mrs. Black, 
and so on, finally to this house, with Faber and himself seated, drinking, while the electric hound snuffed down the last trail, silent as a drift of death itself, skidding to a halt outside that window there. Then, if he wished, Montag might rise, walk to the window, keep one eye on the TV screen, open the window, lean out, look back, and see himself dramatised, described, made over, standing there, limbed in the bright, small television screen from outside, a drama to be watched objectively, knowing that in the other parlours he was large as life, in full colour, dimensionally perfect. And if he kept his eye peeled quickly, he would see himself, an instant before oblivion, being punctured for the benefit of how many civilian parlour sitters who had been wakened from sleep a few minutes ago by the frantic sirening of their living room walls to come watch the big game, the hunt, the one-man carnival. Would he have time for a speech? As the hound seized him in the view of ten, twenty, thirty million people? Mightn't he sum up his entire life in the last week in one single phrase or a word that would stay with them long after the hound had turned, clenching him in its metal plier jaws, and trotted off in darkness, while the camera remained stationary, watching the creature dwindle in the distance. A splendid fade-out. What could he say in a single word, a few words, that would sear all their faces, and wake them up? There, whispered Faber, out of a helicopter glided something that was not machine, not animal, not dead, not alive, glowing with a pale green luminosity. It stood near the smoking ruins of Montag's house, and then the men brought his discarded flamethrower to it and put it down under the muzzle of the hound. There was a whirring, clicking, humming. Montag shook his head and got up and drank the rest of his drink. It's time. I'm sorry about this. About what? Me? My house? I deserve everything. Run, for God's sake. Perhaps I can delay them here. Wait, there's no use in you being discovered. When I leave, burn the spread of this bed I touched. Burn the chair in the living room in your wall incinerator. Wipe down the furniture with alcohol. Wipe the doorknobs. Burn the throw rug in the parlor. Turn the air conditioning on full in all the rooms. And spray with moth spray if you have it. Then turn on your lawn sprinklers as high as they'll go. With any luck at all, we can kill the trail in here anyway. Faber shook his hand. I'll tend to it. Good luck. If we're both in good health, next week, the week after, get in touch. General delivery, St. Louis. I'm sorry there's no way I can go with you this time, by earphone. That was good for both of us, but my equipment was limited. You see, I never thought I would use it. What a silly old man. No thought there. Stupid. So, I haven't another green bullet, the right kind, to put in your head. Go now. One last thing. Quick. A suitcase. Get it? Fill it with your dirtiest clothes. An old suit. The dirtier the better. A shirt, some old sneakers, and socks. Faber was gone, and back in a minute. They sealed the cardboard valleys with clear tape. To keep the ancient odour of Mr. Faber in, of course, said Faber, sweating at the job. Montag doused the exterior of the valleys with whiskey. 
I don't want that hound picking up two odors at once. May I take this whiskey? I'll need it later. Christ, I, I hope this works. They shook hands again, and going out the door, glanced at the TV. The hound was on its way, followed by hovering helicopter cameras, silently, sniffing the great night wind. It was running down the first alley. Goodbye. And Montag was out the back door, lightly running with the half-empty valise. Behind him, he heard the lawn sprinkler system jump up, filling the dark air with rain that fell gently, and then, with a steady pour all about, washing on the sidewalks and draining into the alley. He carried a few drops of this rain with him on his face. He thought he heard the old man call goodbye, but he wasn't certain. He ran very fast away from the house, down toward the river. Thank you so very much for listening. If you enjoyed, please leave a review. And if you really want to support me, share this chapter with your friends, family, and whoever you feel would enjoy it. And if you really wish to support me, head to my Patreon. The link is in the episode notes. If you choose to follow the podcast, you'll have three new chapters per week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Once again, I thank you for listening. And until next time, bye-bye.